here, which is pretty cool, because uh, my parents, my father decided uh, when, when he was 15 years old to go see a chiropractor, um, and of course, your typical public, especially back then too, um, uh, people went to chiropractors because you had an ache or pain or a problem and you heard they were, they were these uh, miracle people. Um, and so my father saw the chiropractor taking care of a lot of sick babies. And, um, and then he talked to the chiropractor, the chiropractor and he said, why would you see babies? And he said, because um, they sometimes get injured at birth and chiropractors can help these babies to allow their spine where it's been injured to heal. So it's sort of like if you have a broken bone, think about it. You could not set that bone. You could not do anything. Will it heal? Crooked. Heal crooked, but it'll yeah. heal. So when we set things, it's so that we can have better function because if it's in alignment, it's it's going to be used more properly. It's going to be able to function better for what its use is. So my father saw that, and when we were born, my brother was the oldest. I have uh, two younger sisters, me, so there's four of us. Um, he took my brother, and then when I was born, six months old, took me, my other sister. And my baby sister, when she was born, she got stuck, and they used forceps, and she developed an abscess because they, they grabbed her sort of kind of cockeyed, and they grabbed her base of her skull, which would have been like right, right around down here, and they grabbed over here, and they were pulling her out. But thank God, I mean, you have, you know, you get stuck like that. It's like, <laughs> it's better that she got out alive. Yeah. Yet it caused an abscess, and the chiropractor said, just you know, let's keep adjusting her, and it's going to come to a head on its own. And it did. And then the uh, the pediatrician, who back in those that day, at least in my area of the world, Newark, New Jersey, the chiropractor and the obstetrician and the pediatrician all knew each other, and they all respected each other for what each one did individually. There wasn't like. Um, you're stepping on my territory. It was like, you do what you do, you do what you do, and I do what I do. And so they worked together, and then they came to a head, and then the uh, pediatrician just glanced it, and psh. Wow. So I tell you this for a couple of reasons. One, to kind of share my story, that I, I started years ago getting my spine checked and adjusted because growing up, I just... We never went to medical doctors because my parents had a philosophy of life and living that was unique. Well, it wasn't unique in that time in our family. Like nobody really went to doctors a lot, you know. Um, and I'm old, so I'm old. <laughs> We're the same age, but I just turned. I'm six. not old. <laughs> I'm old. No, I'm I'm 65 young. Um, you know, we just we just. My mother would say to us, your body will heal you, you know? I'd wake up and I'd feel a stomach ache. My mother would smack me up the side of my head and say, go to school, you'll feel better. And I did. So that's how I grew up. I grew up with a, a philosophy that my body's gonna heal itself. I remember we were digging holes in the ground and my friend's shovel came like this and whacked me 
and I've got a scar here and you know how when you get a cut near your eye it bleeds profusely or on your forehead I came home the blood is dripping and my mother goes what did you do not oh poor baby no <laughs> what did you do and I said Teddy, Teddy, shovel. She goes, you shouldn't have been standing where you were standing. I'm like, oh my eye, am I gonna be okay? <laughs> she washed it off and she put a butterfly band-aid on it. Did oh, not man. take me to the hospital. I remember one time I'm mowing the lawn and a rock came flying out from under the lawnmower and I pulled the rock out and the blood was like spurting. I'm like, mom, she goes, you'll be fine. She got a, she got a, she got a butterfly band-aid and put it on my leg. So I grew up with that. So living here nowadays, I feel like an alien because parents never gave us drugs. They never, you know, it's like your body will heal, your body will heal, your body will heal. So what I share with you tonight, and probably the most important thing I could give you guys, yes, we're gonna go over your posture pictures and all, but if I could just kind of rekindle in you so that you can trust your body more. I feel like that's the greatest gift I can give anybody because there are very few doctors out there saying, oh, you got a cough? Oh, that's just your body coughing up the, the buggies and you gotta do that to get them out of your body because you don't wanna keep it in your lungs. So we look at things that I, I look at them as natural, vomiting. I remember my daughter was vomiting the first time because she ate three pints of blackberries her teacher was like, she's sick. I'm like, she's not sick. She ate three pints of blackberries on her way to school. She goes, well, you have to come and get her. And Katie's vomiting. We're going, go Katie, what a smart body. You have a smart body. You have a strong body. You have a healthy body. Your body knows how to heal you. I've been whispering that to my kids since the day they were born. Wouldn't that be a great message for us to just, even now, just to give to ourselves the strong body, the healthy body. Every time I sneeze, I'm sneezing all the pollen that I breathed in, that everybody's breathing in. And some people are a little more sensitive to it. And some people, we're breathing in the same air you are, but our body's dealing with it under the radar. That's how I look at it. So when you have mucus and you're sneezing and coughing and all of that, those are your body's first line of defense. If the mucus does not get produced, it's all dry, which certain drugs will dry it up. The bacteria and viruses will get into your lungs and then you're in for a longer haul and more coughing and more, you know, who knows, pneumonia, this, that, whatever it may be. So I just, I just wanna share with you that, like some of these things that we think are sick and symptoms of being sick are actually symptoms of a body that's working really well to protect you, to heal you. And we don't always look at it that way. So National Geographic wrote this piece. It was an um, advertisement for a book called, uh, what was it called, The Complete Human. And I remember the first time I read it and I said, oh my God, it perfectly helps people to see the miraculousness of their body. And if we could just in, in, you know, embed that in us and, and, and live like that, it's really hard in this world. So I get it. Um, so we all, we all do our best. 
because we're, we're, we're all programmed a certain way, and you know, my kids just happen to be programmed a certain way. So they say in a matter of 60 seconds, about the amount of time it will take me to read this page, your body will perform millions of complex functions quietly, automatically, and flawlessly without asking your permission. You will take, that was my poetic license, You'll take about 15 breaths, your heart will beat 70 times, your tear ducts will moisten your eyes 25 times, 6 million chemical reactions will occur in your brain. I don't know how they add those things up. Yeah. 6 million, did somebody sit there counting yeah. 100? Your bone marrow will produce 180 million blood cells and destroy the same amount. You will shed 10,000 particles of skin. That's gross. But think about search and rescue dogs. How do they find people? Their skin. They, they smell their clothing and it's, their skin is on it. 300 million cells will also die as the 10,000 particles of skin are fluff, sloughing off your body. Just like that, over and over again throughout your lifetime, your body will work countless mini miracles to keep you breathing, moving, thinking, and living. In this office, we will never make your body wrong for what it's doing. Even these subway stations, <laughs> subluxations that we talk about, if my belief system says that we're exposed to all kinds of forces in this universe. We've got the force of gravity on us constantly, constantly. My belief is that, you know, our body can adapt to this. A subluxation of your spine is a way that your body adapts, just like sneezing, coughing, diarrhea, vomiting. They're all ways that your body has to adapt to either something that's come into it or something that is it's exposed to or the pressures of emotionally, physically, chemically, all of those things. We call them the three T's in chiropractic. Thoughts, traumas, and, and, and uh, what is it in, in uh, what would be a word, a T word for toxins. Thoughts, traumas, and toxins. So you've got this coming at you all the time. And what happens is, let's say you take a slip on the ice and you fall, and the joints of your spine jam up, subluxation. Well, if the body has the wherewithal to undo those subluxations, and very often it does, it's cool, but sometimes it can't. And what does it do? It holds on to it within your structure. Your muscles tighten up, right? Or let's say you're doing a repetitive job. You said at your job, you're always bent over or me in the office. I'm constantly boom, boom, adjusting, adjusting. And I've been doing this from the same side of the table for 35 years. Which hip do you think I have problems with? Oh, it's your right hip. I've been doing that for so long that the nice little rubber gasket that holds your, your leg bone in, I don't have the spine here, getting worn down and worn down and worn down and one day I woke up and I felt like my my leg was dislocated and the pain was horrific because it was slightly dislocated. Oh, wow. So you can have repetitive, repetitive, repetitive motions that all of a sudden one day people will walk into my office and say, Dr. Patty, it just happened yesterday. I'm like, okay, let's do the exam and we'll see. And then I see their neck and I say, no, you're in a phase two that's taken 40 years 
to accumulate in your neck before you fell off the cliff. So we will never make you wrong. Yet if the subluxation and all these things are happening from our, the outside in or from what we put inside of us, then part of the solution is looking at what we are doing to our bodies and what positions we put our bodies in so that we can make a change. I can't do all of that for you. You can look at your postures and we'll look at that, but you can look at the foods you eat, the thoughts you think, and I'll give you a way to frame it. I would frame it saying that there are interferences that happen to us in our life and we're able to control some of them, but some of them we can't. So rather than us trying to fix anything, why don't we look at how can we remove interferences? Is that a fair thing? Yeah. So I always like to give that the umbrella. Remove interference. To what? To life. To life expression. Because life has to express itself through the, the tissues of our body. We are not spiritual beings. We are spiritual beings having a physical experience, but we are in physical form subjected to all of these things. So if we look at what can we do to remove interferences, I, uh, and I can give this to you in five minutes, and then you take it and apply it in your lives. So in the foods you eat, what other aspect can you do? Can you like look at that you can do something about in your kind of physical world? Work. Work. Work in your work. So, can we say work postures? Is yeah. that okay? Yeah. Um, move. How about movement? Oh, or yeah. lack or lack thereof. Oh yeah. Okay, so this is more of a chemical. Right. This is more like a physical here. It's also like relationships, like the interactions you have that maybe cause stress or harmony. And we'll go stress. So, here's my five minute. When you look at foods, you want to remove interferences rather than saying, what should I eat? You say, what am I eating that is interfering with me being the healthiest that I can be? So if you say, well, white sugar and white flour, for you, for some people, it's like they can't even eat, they can't eat any flour, uh, any gluten, you know, seems more and more prevalent. People are like allergic to so many things, but we don't have control over the environment and the pesticides and all the crap that's in there. We don't even know it's in the air. So you do your best. So only eat things that you know are good for you. And if you do that, if 80% of your diet is like that, and then you have a piece of chocolate cake, or you have a glass of wine, you have a beer, you have a cocktail, or whatever, you don't beat yourself up, because that causes S-T-R-E-S-S. -S. <laughs> Seriously. Seriously. It was a book called The Only Diet There Is. And what Sandra Ray found out was that um, if people just changed how they thought about food, like she said, skinny people, she'd say to them, um, you know, so what do you think about that food? 
great, I can eat all I want and I never get fat. And then you get someone who's overweight and they look at it, oh, I look at it and I, and I, and I put it on my body or I look at it and I get fat. And she said, that is the difference between a person who's thinner and she proved it. She did a whole research and she had women just change how they looked at their food and just love their food and said, I love you, you will, this will cause no harm to me, it, I will only accept the best out of this food. And people started dropping weight without changing their diet. Oh, that's amazing. The mind is a powerful thing. And that's another whole seminar we could talk for hours about. Yeah. But just think about it. The things you think about most are the things that you move towards. You know, you focus on negativity and it seems to just keep coming. You have friends like that who that, that's, that's it's just one thing after another. They get in an accident, then they do this, and then they fall, and then they blah, 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 and it's constant, constant. Whereas they could just make a little shift, tiny little shift and see themselves in a healthier state. Work posture, I'm gonna talk about that in, as soon as I show you your posture pictures. Movement, lack of movement is a problem. The cells of your body need to vibrate. They need to move and they need oxygen and they need blood supply. And the oxygen comes in your blood supply. How long can you live without oxygen? Not very long. A couple of minutes. <laughs> A few minutes, some people six minutes, eight minutes, those people that die deep in the water and stuff. Uh, for the rest of us, maybe a couple of minutes. You know how long you can live without your nerves firing? And by the way, that's how they know if you are clinically dead, your brain waves, not your heart. It's your brain waves. So somebody who's in a coma, if their brain is still functioning, they're not considered, uh, they won't declare them dead yet. Yeah, wow, that's interesting. Yeah, that's why I always say brain dead. Brain yeah. dead. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they have to have no... No chemical, no, um, I'm sorry, electrical energy happening in there, which they can measure. So they say um, you can live for 0 0.701, whatever percentage of that is, of a second without your nerves firing. So your nerve system is the master system, the most important system, and interferences to your nerve system affect everything. So that if your nerve system is interfered with, you can do all the best things you want here, and you will not get the same effect. So who deserves to have their nerve system working at 100%, or as close to 100%? We all do. I mean, it's kind of a rhetorical question. Yeah, yeah but people out there don't know that. Yeah, so, so true. What's that? It is, that's so true, like, people don't. Yeah, they say, why do you bring your kids? Yeah, I, mean, I know. You know, why do you go? Why are you still going? You know, didn't they fix you yet? <laughs> so I look at chiropractic as, yes, people are sometimes in crisis care. So I look at the chiropractic crisis care as somebody who's 500 pounds overweight. It's going to take a concerted effort to get them from 500 pounds to whatever is an acceptable weight for them to be as healthy and as viable as they can be. So they can work, so they can, you know, um, move, so they can have good relationships and less stress on them. And then, after that initial, you get them to a point, somebody comes in crisis, then we get to a point where, okay, well, let's keep your spine as healthy as possible. Come in and get checked on a regular basis. 
Some people want to come in once a month. Some people want to come in once every two weeks. Some people want to come in once a week. Some people come in three times a week. We have people in our practice that have been coming in three times a week to get their spine checked for 20 years or more. Wow. Most, most come in about once a week, but there are those few. And I don't charge them anymore. I charge them one set fee. I'm like, you want to take the time out of your life and be here? I'm here for you. Peter's here for you. Sherry's here for you. That's awesome. Yeah. We've been doing that for 35 years. So it's a very unique practice that we have. But I feel like this, this is such a special time that when we gather you together and we say, okay, so we can do our job, but your job is to look at the situations, the stresses that you put yourself in, whether it's, you know, your thoughts, the toxins, whatever you put in your body and expose your body to, or the traumas. Mm. And if we can, I like to use the same paper, if we can bail out the boat quicker than you're filling up the boat, then we can actually start reversing things. For some people, we just kind of keep them maintained because they abuse their bodies so much that I have to see them every day, twice a day. They have to move in. There's yeah. no room, you know. So for us to bail out the boat, so so what tonight is about, I'm showing your posture pictures. Again, we're not making anything wrong about it. It is just who you are based on everything that you've been through from birth to where you are today. Speaking of birth, people think, oh, birth, it's, you know, it's so gentle, especially if you have a C-section realize that C-sections are one of the most traumatic ways to be born. First for the mom, because they have to cut and then they have to go reach in and find the baby. Very often the emergency C-sections, the baby's head is already down. They have to go try to find the baby's head. And the birth process is this natural progression of how the baby comes in and it twists and it comes out and its skull is compressed and it causes the brain to start pumping the spinal fluid to the rest of the spine. There is a reason and a purpose. Just like I said, your brain is going to produce so many of this and your body's going to do. This is a perfect process that's supposed to, you know, you're supposed to come through the vaginal cow. Then it put, compresses the lungs and it pushes out all the crap and anything that, any of the fluid that might be in there. And that by that time, the head is out so the baby's not sucking in anymore of the amniotic fluid. And then it's supposed to one shoulder and the other shoulder and then it rolls out. And that process happens a whole lot easier if mom's pelvis is able to shift and move and the adjustments Make sure that mom during her pregnancy is able to have her pelvis shift and move with the baby's movements. Otherwise, if mom is stuck like this at six months old, that baby gets into the wrong position, it's gonna get stuck there. And then, then you do need intervention, either a C-section or forceps or who knows what they'll do, you know, because then the baby's life is at stake. So people do so much better if they can come into the world in a good way. And I say that, but even with that, and there's some research on it, done by Dr. Abraham Talbin, that says 
um, that says mechanical stress imposed by obstetrical manipulation, even the application of standard orthodox procedures may prove intolerable to the fetus. This is all about this Dr. Abraham Talbot out of uh, Harvard who researched and studied uh, babies that were stillbirth and found that trauma at birth was responsible for it. Even in the most normal of obstetrical maneuvers. So there's a study that came out in 2015, which is a very recent study. In uh, osteopathic hospital, they took 100 babies that were at seven, seven hours old, and these babies were the healthiest of the healthiest. The babies that weren't healthy, they didn't, they didn't, re they didn't uh, examine them. They only examined the healthy babies that got checked by the pediatrician. They said, good, good, clean, build health. And they evaluated them and found 99 out of 100 of them, the top bone in their spine was traumatized. The joints in the top part of their spine where your skull sits, and I should get my spine so I'm not just talking in the air. But where is it? That is the question. We'll use the baby's spine here. This is, this is about the size of a baby's spine. Can you imagine? They used 60 pounds of traction force is normal in obstetrics. 60 pounds. That would be if you weighed 60 pounds and I lifted you off the chair. And these are babies whose muscles haven't withstood gravity yet. Yeah. So they said that this top between the first bone and your skull bone here was damaged. And they said it's not so much twisting, but it's from traction, straight traction force that is typically done on babies because they put moms on their backs. When you're lying on your back giving birth, oh, this is things. <laughs> Everything's getting caught on me. The, the pelvis is locked down. Yeah, it, yeah. Ca it, can't, it can't open and spread. It can open and spread if you're upright like that. But it's, it's locked down. So that baby is going to bash its head, bash its head, bash its head. Interesting. So, I mean, I gave birth at home. Oh, yeah. Wow. In a tub. Because I was afraid to go to the hospital. Oh, my God. I wasn't afraid to stay I home. I never have not had an extra. Yeah. <laughs> I had it. My, my daughter was born in an hour and a half. And my oh, son wow. was born in 43 minutes. Oh, I, my, no. my daughter was in, I was in labor for 72 hours. It was awful. Were you on your back? Were you? Yeah, because I had, um, well, you know how they have, they have that strap B or whatever they have yeah. to give you anemone. You have to be hooked up to IV then. And so oh. then you can't do the. You can't just have the IV and walk around like this with it? <laughs> anyway, we, I can, don't know. we can talk. I forever. can't remember all the. What time we Yeah. So, anyway. So but these yeah, babies. That, nice have it that way. <laughs> yeah. So, 99 out of 100. Um, damage to the top bone, and 96 out of those 99 uh, trauma to the sacral bone, this tailbone here, um, which when babies are born in utero, they're in, in this curved position. So it makes sense that these two areas would have the most stress on it, but then it's the pulling traction that they found caused trauma. So people are walking around with trauma to their spine from birth, and it's showing up later on life causing problems. They say babies that have had that kind of trauma will show up with respiratory problems because the third nerve in the neck is called the phrenic nerve. It goes to your diaphragm muscle. If your diaphragm muscle isn't getting all of its energy, that baby is, if that's not stimulated by them moving, it could 
slow down their breathing or even stop it. And what do they say with uh, SIDS babies? If you find a baby that's that's not oh. breathing, what do you do? Besides call 911. I mean, you shake them. You just go like this to them and they'll start breathing again. It's, it has to do with the diaphragm muscle and that third nerve in your neck there. So, then you take that baby and you put them through life, which uh, pushing them on swings, pulling them and pushing them. Babies, you want to pull them on a swing. Don't let them jerk their head. You don't want to grab kids and jerk their head because you're creating whiplashes that will, over time, cause problems to the nerves. So it's all about the nerves and protecting the nerves. And then you got gravity pushing down on you. So like, now you guys are sitting. When you're sitting, you got gravity pushing down on you, but it's pushing down all the way to your lower spine here. So ideally, and I'm gonna show you your, your pictures here, you wanna have a curve. A curve in your lower spine offers support, stability, strength, even the bones down in your lower spine. They don't twist a lot. They don't, they're pretty solid. They don't move a whole lot. Whereas the ones in your, where your ribs are attached in here, they'll move more and your neck moves the most. Survival, right? You need to be able to see the saber-toothed tiger or you know the car that's coming or whatever. You need to have motion in your neck. So, curve in the neck going forward, curve in the neck in the lower back coming forward, strength, stability. When you lose those, you lose strength, you lose stability, and you offer um, a weakness to the structure that is supporting and protecting your spinal nerves that are in there. So when you look at your postures, realize again, I'm not making judgments. I'm looking at it. Here's where you are. At this point, you're welcome. In your life, and look at Paula made one for you. Are you serious? She did. You My gotta God, love her. This is like. You gotta love her. This is six years so, ago. So everybody, so look at, so you got two pictures here, right? Look at the picture on the right, okay? So this is the most important thing, the, where the curves are. If that number in front of your nose is greater than 10, okay, that's, that's a problem. It actually looks bad. Okay, you can actually <laughs> see yourself. But I will promise you, we take another picture of you in six months, you will see a change, a dramatic change. The numbers will all change. And by the way, all these numbers have meaning, and in your booklet, you've got a, um, a code sheet that explains. It says, understanding your posture evaluation. So when you go home, you take it out, and then you study it, and you look at all that. So I just want to focus on your neck and your lower back, okay? So, so if you've lost the curve there, if your head is shifted forward, realize that... That's ridiculous. Realize that as this as this pulled forward, do you see this green here? This green nerve here? Hmm. That's called your vagus nerve. It comes out under right under your skull. That nerve supplies all of your organs. So God forbid you have an injury a paral uh, that paralyzes you from here in your spine. You still have this nerve wow. serving you. So that there's a beautiful you know, um, what would you call it, design in all oh, yeah. of this. That there's secondary. 
So that's why we look at your neck. It's so, so important that your neck be cared for and taken care of. So when you start pulling forward, you're putting pressure on that vagus nerve that comes out under your skull bone. And then you're also putting a tension in your spinal cord. You're gonna be affecting any one of the nerves that goes all the way down to the whole rest of your body. What you don't see on here is your muscles and your joints, your discs and all of that. Right. Just know that, that that's all getting affected. So what can you do? Okay, so first of all, put everything on your chairs and stand up for me. Okay, so when you're sitting, okay? So when you go to sit, okay? You go to sit, your knees, right? Uh, so pretend this is a chair under me. I'm sitting like this. What happens to my lower back when I bring my knee up? Put your hand back here and feel. What happens when you bring your knee up? Okay. Do you have more of a curve or less of less. a curve? Yes. It's almost impossible. If you're in this position, you try to arch, you can't. But if you put your leg down, you can arch, right? You try to almost lean back to yes. the arch. <laughs> so here's the thing. When you're sitting, you want to have your knees lower than your hips. So when I sit at my counter, I sit at the edge of my chair and I lean on it like this. And I might have my computer in front of me. Hmm. And my knees lower than my hips. It's impossible in your car. Yeah, there's no way to do it. Except bus drivers who's sitting up here and the pedals are down here, they can do it. But for the rest of us, we can't do that. So that's a challenge. But when you have a choice of a chair, don't spend 800 bucks and get a, one of those expensive chairs with the lumbar support because if your knees are like this and you're sitting way back in that chair, you are not getting, you're not gonna get any curve in your lower back. It's just not gonna happen. You're putting all the stress on your last two discs of your spine and each one of you, I know, and most people, their last two discs and usually the last two bones in your neck are the ones that get the most stress, especially when your head is forward like this, your head is forward like this, then you start getting this little hump back here, being like, why do I have this little hump? I'm thin, I put this hump. <laughs> well, because you're doing this, it's going forward, and this bone here in your neck is pushing through and irritating the skin here, and it's creating a skin pad. Whereas if you have a curve, oh, it doesn't do that, but you do this, you lose the curve, it's like that sticks out. It's called the vertebra prominens. It's the prominent vertebra in your spine. I got one. Yeah, yeah, because your head's like this. So we're gonna change that. But together we have to do that. So what you wanna do is, okay, people, you know, not, you don't wanna do this military neck thing, okay? <laughs> That's the worst thing you could do. But what you wanna do, you're, say you're in the car and you're driving, you wanna tilt your head and you're, let's say you stop at a light, tilt your head back, Okay, try to, if it's out here, try to bring your head like this, but then tilt it all the way back as far as it'll go so you feel this, your neck stretching, and then push it back into the headrest. Or you can use your hands right now. So you tilt it all the way back, and then you push your hands forward as you're pushing back and trying to keep your nose up as high as you can bring it. And you hold it for five seconds, and then you stop and come back to center, and then you bring it back again, hold it for five seconds, and then it's a, the red light turns green and then you drive off. If you're, if you're at work or something, you're sitting in your chair and you pull up to the wall or you go to the wall and you go like this, go one, two, three, four, five. And you wanna get your head, like I said, the important thing is to get your chin and your nose up as high as you can. 
and push, and you'll feel those muscles that are attached to your skull and then attached here, they'll start pulling your spine. They're here to here, they're gonna pull your spine into a better curve, okay? So that you wanna do that with your neck and you wanna do that with your lower back. Those are the only two. Low back? Low back? Well, you could be uh, against a wall. Oh, okay. You could be like this against a wall and just do this and, and pull like this or I'll just go, bring your elbows back here and squeeze and squeeze and you're tightening that all those muscles good. in there. Yeah, you don't need weights. You can just squeeze elbows behind. We work the front of our bodies all day long. <laughs> to go to the gym and do bicep curls and sit-ups is the worst thing you can do. Huh? But there's rubber bands now that you can do the thing you're talking Jeez. about. Please, <laughs> plank. Do a plank. Or go, go on the edge of your bed, I'll go like this and I'll squeeze and squeeze because you do a sit-up, you're, first of all, you're compressing the discs in your lower back. If you do these little crunches, you're doing this, this, and then you're using your neck muscles oh. to pull you up and you're tightening these muscles and you're gonna pull the top of your spine closer to your chest. And what are you doing? You're reversing the curve in your neck. So you're working against where you wanna be. No sit-ups, planks, planks, and just thing. Yeah, because I do the only thing I get a tight neck from working out. Oh yeah, there's no other way to do a sit-up. You do this or this, and you're still you're tightening. Just if I stand like this and do this, I'm tightening. So texting. Yeah. Do it like this. <laughs> Lift your head up. Do it like this. Or have you guys standing? Um, Okay, here's one more ten, one more exercise. These exercises are in your booklet, but I want you to understand the concept. So a couple of German researchers found that um, if you didn't move every joint in your body through its fullest range of motion, so that if my finger's going through its fullest range, that's the fullest range. That's all my finger's going to do. And my wrist, that's the fullest range, okay? If you don't put every joint in your body through its fullest range of motion every single day, that a part of your brain, the back part, the cerebellum, hmm. this part way back here that's responsible for your motor coordination, and it's also responsible for gathering information that it sends to another part of the brain. If it doesn't get enough information, it will send a message to another part of your brain to get you to move. Right. So if wow. you don't move those joints through full range of motion, that will be stimulated, it causes, and I've got a book that explains the whole process, causes a part of your brain to send a chemical through your system to have your adrenal glands pump out what? What would they pump out that would make you have energy that little kids have all the oh, time? Oh, like cortisol? No. Cortisol, yeah. but the cortisone. Cortisone. And adrenaline. adrenaline. Adrenal glands, adrenaline. That's your body's what, energy yeah, wow. chemical. And they said, and they said, if that's pumping through your system and you're still not moving, that if you don't move, you will get agitated. Duh! What happens to kids? No wonder people are agitated on the road. Because if they're driving a lot and they're not moving, so what you guys can do is, and we're going to do it right now. We're going to start from our feet. Okay. So hold on to hold on to the wall next to you there, my friend, or your chair. That's good. So you start with your feet. Put your Feet through your then your toes, you know, get your toes going and one way and the other way. Okay, that's done. Now do the other foot. 
Ankle one way, the other way, and squeeze your toes as much as they'll go. Okay, your knee, that's it. Your knee doesn't go in any other direction. Full range of motion. Okay, then you're hip. This way, this way, this way, this way, this way, this way. The other one there, like that. Good, that's done. Then your spine, you just want to twist your spine, and you can go twist this way, twist that way, this way, that way. That's it, you're done with that. Yeah. Then let's start with your wrists, your fingers. Fingers. Okay, that's done. Wrist, wrist, elbow. You can do them together. Shoulders back, shoulders forward, back and forward. Your neck, to the right, to the left, to the right, to the left. Down, up, down, up. Ear to your shoulder, other ear to your shoulder. One more time, ear to your shoulder, Ear to your shoulder. Do not do circles. You don't need to do circles. You shouldn't do circles. Okay, we did it. <laughs> is this what you mean when you always start? To, you remember? You know how you're always talking about turning the light switches on? Mm-hmm. Is this like? Well, <laughs> I yeah. feel like we just flipped on a bunch of light switches. Well, yeah. Well, you're you're keeping you keeping your body um, when you're in your waking moments. You're supposed to be moving active. I mean, we're designed to be. So when we're not, see, if you guys want to sit, you can sit now. Um, so if you're not, it, your body's so smart. It's got systems built in so it knows how to get you to start moving. And so kids, they need to be moving. And when they're not, they're going to get agitated and irritated much more quickly. So, so I've taught in the Medfield schools. I was teaching for um, some in-service to teachers, but I also uh, was teaching in... Oh gosh, the gym teacher, Miss Paula, 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 that's Paula's last name. Anyway, Paula had me coming in for years, and I would teach her and teach her to teach the students how to just get up and just have them shake, because they can't, they won't go through all those motions, but just to have them do some shaking, shake their hands. And when I go to nursing homes, I have them, they're sitting in wheelchairs. I'm like, shake your hands, shake your hands, shake your body, move whatever you can to move. So you're stimulating your brain. All the research on chiropractic nowadays is talking about how the adjustment actually inputs to your brain and makes chemical changes in your brain. The neuroplasticity, have you heard that word? Neuroplasticity, yeah. that you can create new neural networks and learn new things. If you do things 30 days or more, you can develop a habit, but your brain will actually break old connections and can and make all new connections. And you can do it. You have the ability to do that. I have the ability to do that on my own. With the activities I put myself into, the thoughts I use, the, the foods that I eat, everything is all part of that. The adjustments are to remove any possibility of your nerves functioning less than 100%. Remove the subluxations that you have, you know, over the years your body has kind of held on to. Um, and I, I don't know if this sounds kind of hokey or whatever, but I believe that when somebody walks through my door that they're ready. It's like they've made a decision on whatever level, like, oh, I'm coming in just for my pain or whatever it is, that, that those subluxations are now ready to be released and not a moment before. 
you know so I just believe that everything in life happens for a reason it happens exactly how it's supposed to be so if somebody doesn't show up in my office till they're 90 that's what's supposed to be or they show up in my office when their mom's pregnant or when they're born you know that we all have a there's a time for what a time to grow a time to reap a time to sow a time you know and we all have our own own timing and all of that so I don't force anything we don't make anything wrong you can make some things go better and be more right by looking at two main things curve in the neck I just like to give people simple things curve in your neck curve in the lower back so when you're sitting in a chair like this how could you make your lower back have a curve in how would you get your knees lower what would you do it's like go forward go forward yep and then what would you do with your yeah, you could oh. do that. But think about it you could you could go like this and you could put one leg lower than the other like this like that so i can actually control how oh, much my lower back arches can you see the difference there yeah whereas if i'm like this you know yeah, i can't a, really do it yeah. but just try that just try one one leg like that See the difference? Oh, wow. It's like you <laughs> breathe more. Uh, yeah. It's yeah. Just, it's just... Wow. It's so simple. Simple. Okay? So, what do we have now? We have the things that you can do. Work on the curve in your neck. First, to not do this so much. Don't, don't fill up the boat. But then bail out the boat. Getting adjusted releases the spine so that you can actually get motion when you actually do your exercises. Lower back, same thing. Any ways, however you want to arch that lower back, you can be on the floor and push up into a, a cobra position in yoga or many other yoga positions. You can just stand up and, you know, just kind of arch your back, do this, you know, whatever you need to do. You need to work the back of your body, back of the body here. As you work in the front all day long, sitting, <laughs> these muscles, Okay. So you yes. shouldn't have a stool three feet, maybe that's good. You know, like, I know. Interesting. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. Or worse. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, especially. I, I don't have, I, I see everybody else has a stool. You know, yeah. Is that comfortable? I, I, I'm all about comfort. Or yeah. somebody said, is it good enough? Well, it's not. Not for your back. Not for your spine. Not for longevity. Right. Not if you're going to be sitting for long so go home and uh, study your posture pictures and know that that's your history. It's not your destiny. What will change that? Yes, the adjustments are going to make a tremendous difference because we can release the spine. And then it's like opening up the dam. You know, the, the, the water flows. The water is like your nerve energy flowing. Lift the dam. But if you can work on your muscles to get your tr muscles trained to be able to hold your head differently and then do less of this, less of this stuff, and more of that. So the, the kitten, huh. everybody now with the phones like you had mentioned, your yeah. brain's like this, so yeah. everybody's just working themselves into a big mess. Yeah. The kids nowadays, so yeah. I've been doing this 35 years. Years ago, I never even took x-rays on kids because I could feel, oh no, they got a curve in their neck. Uh -huh. Now, kids come in, their necks are going backwards. Backwards, I tell you, Whoa, really? backwards on the x-rays. 
That's correct. It's a problem. It's a problem. And, um, you know, if you look at any of the research, they say that this generation, I know it sounds, I don't even like saying it, but they say this generation will probably not outlive their parents. So these are the teenagers. That this is the prediction because they are putting so much tension on their spinal cord. There's research been done. I, I got some of them here. Oh, it's like the parents will live to 90, but the kids will live to 80 kind yeah, of thing? Yeah, so who's going to take care of them? But the research saying that um, the cord may be forced into uh, stretching of the cord can cause a narrowing of the canal and, oh wait, here it is. Um, stretch, changes of mo movement, stress and tension seems to be the likely factor in aggravating various pathological processes. So at the Leahy Clinic, they found that people who have stretched spinal cord three to five centimeters, that would be 10 degrees. 10 degrees or more, you're stretching your spinal cord three to five centimeters, you're more predisposed to pathological processes in your body. So this isn't about your back, it's, it's not even about your spine, it's about your lifeline, your nerve system. And how many people out there know that, have that data that you have now? Not many. And I'll end with this, that there was a lot of research done years back. A couple of chiropractors uh, knew some, um, some scientists who were studying cancer and studying factors and markers in someone's blood to see if they were more predisposed to cancer. All of these, you could read through all of these, and what they say is that they took a group of people under chiropractic care. My parents were part of the group. I was pregnant, so I wasn't part. Peter was part of it. My grandmother, my grandmother had been under care for like 40 years at that point. My parents had been under care for like, what, 20 years or so. Um, and they found that the people under chiropractic care, even though they had different lifestyles, Chiropractors aren't purists. We do drink, we do, some of them smoke, I don't smoke, but you know, and I'm not an alcoholic, but I like to have a cocktail or a wine or whatever. And they found that as a group, we had uh, less of a chance of markers showing up in our blood to predispose us to cancer. That the healthiest group in Sweden had, let's say it was a 200 was their marker saying that they were 200 times better than the cancer group. The chiropractic group was 200 times better than the Swedish group. So, wow. so getting adjusted, you know, I didn't know this when I was growing up. I did not know the extent to how chiropractic could Im impact my life. But now we're seeing the studies come out all about the brain, how it's the brain function is better when you're getting adjusted, and all of the implications of your overall health and predisposition to pathological processes is a whole lot less when you're under chiropractic care. And again, I have to qualify that by saying, you know, there are chiropractors that die young and they die of cancer, and there's chiropractors that live to 90 years old. My parents are both 90, my grandmother was 96. And granted, there are other people who are that old who've never had chiropractic care. So many factors. But if you found chiropractic and it's part of your life, then use it. Use it as best as you can. And that's we make ourselves available. We make ourselves affordable. And even people that can't afford our care, who want our care, who truly say, Dr. Patty, I want care. I can't afford it. 
we have an angel plan. The chiropractic angel plan allows them to pay what they can. They can do the rest in community service. So I'm not saying don't you don't have to send all those people in, you know, because <laughs> we still have to pay the bills and all. Um, yet those people deserve chiropractic care too. That's so great. if you have any questions, concerns, anything, please stay and ask me. If you've gotten everything that you've gotten tonight and you want to process it, then take it home with you. What I ask you to do is, because people don't know about chiropractic, you know, people just think it's about back pain or neck pain or headaches or whatever it is, and they don't want to take drugs, so they want a chiropractic. I, I tell people, I may be white, and it's sometimes I'm flaky, but I am not an aspirin. I don't, you know, it's like... It's like, yeah, we'll adjust people, and they'll say, oh, my God, I've seen the light. I'm like, you know, I was going for surgery. I'm not going to go anymore. And so people do have those miracles, yet because that was the last linchpin that their nerve system, they've done all these other things, and now their nerve system needed tweaking. And all of a sudden, they're like, oh, chiropractic did it. Did chiropractic do it, or did the life inside their body do it? So we're back now, full circle. The philosophy that I live by is that my body is doing what it needs to do and I need to assess whenever I have stuff going on with me where I feel like I'm less than 100% I have to say what's my diet look like what are positions I'm using at work am I getting enough movement how are my relationships how, how am I doing on all those levels in my life and I clean them up and then what do we do we're normal we fall off the wagon and then something triggers us, and we get back on the wagon. But the one constant for me is, I get my spine checked because I've been doing it since I was six months old, and it's my life. It's part of my life. My kids get their spines checked on a regular basis. It's part of their life, like brushing their teeth. So I, I think I've completed everything that I wanted to share with you all. So take those home, read through your booklets. There is a gift certificate in here um, and it allows you to give that to someone you know um, who you love or maybe who you don't love and <laughs> you think they need a couple <laughs> shots of them I'll help you with that <laughs> I'm Italian but because people don't know about chiropractic share that with somebody share that with somebody maybe somebody who's pregnant um, somebody who's you know um, who's had babies and there's something going on with the babies and they're at their wits end or, or whatever. Um, I know it's harder. I know it's hard when you see somebody who seems healthy and all to say, oh, you need chiropractic. And they're like, why, why, why would I need chiropractic? Well, go, go to Dr. Patty and Dr. Sherry's talk. You can always send them to one of these because this is generic. I mean, this part is not generic. That's specific to you guys, but they can certainly um, come and learn and and see, we do talks all over the place too. If you ever want us to come and do a talk, that's our mission: is to help as many people as we can through the skills that we have and that we've been taught. So, thank you, thank you for staying here, for being here. So, to per let things percolate, because you probably have questions when you come in for your adjustments. Just ask, and if we we can answer it at that time, we will. If not, we can have a conversation after or something. We good? Thank you, Dr. Patty. You're so welcome.